Welcome to the Daily Canon Podcast. Hello again, listeners. It's another Daily Canon Weekly Podcast. Uh, I'm still alive, remarkably, despite my best efforts to prevent myself from doing so. But rather brilliantly, uh, not only do you get one podcast host this week in me, Matthew Wade, you get Stephen Bradley, other podcast host joining us as well. And on top of that, we have Lana Dawood all the way from, I know, Europe and shit, which we're still part of despite European elections. So go figure. It's an amazing bumper international podcast. Uh, and hopefully we're going to have some things to talk about, such as the Europa League final and lots of shit that's been going on. So how are you both? Sober. Oh. Ish. Lana? I'm sober. 100%. I'm it's not going to last. Well. This is, this is, this is, we've got this wrong. We're all sober. But happily... Wait till Saturday. <laughs> that will probably change, you know, depending on the outcome of the Champions League final. Oh, God. Well, yeah. I mean, mind you, to be fair, that'll be drinking either way. It'll just be yeah. for different reasons. <laughs> yeah, That's... but it depends on how heavy the liquor is, depending on who wins, because... I have a feeling if Spurs wins, I think everyone is hoping to die of an alcohol poisoning <laughs> or something. Oh no, there's no whatever. If there's no particular method of death, I would turn down. <laughs> well, uh, well, <laughs> let's I'm, be fair here. I mean, Anything I'm taking a slightly do. different approach. I'd want to plot my revenge. Be, I'd be getting into that kind of dark, drunken place where you start working out the quickest methods of death for certain people. <laughs> Uh, and Google it. I have a list of you guys want me to share it in a Google Doc. I knew I could rely on you, Lana. That's why you're here. For those of you who say we don't do our research, there you go. Yeah, exactly. With this too many finals and too many losses. Yeah. Please, someone shoot me. Well, speaking of finals and uh, ones that we don't necessarily have the best record in, let's start. Let's go straight to it. Let's let's like it's the Europa League final. It is. It's not the playoff final, 170 million pound game that Aston Villa won in today, but it is the biggest game that Arsenal have had this year, and it's the probably one of the biggest games we've had since the Champions League final, given that it represents not just Champions League qualification, da -da 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 -da, but also a European trophy, which, let's face it, Arsenal have massively underachieved at uh, in recent history, and indeed their history as a whole. Uh, with that in mind, how much are you shitting yourself, Mr Bradley? Um, <laughs> what weighs more, a ton of feathers or a ton of shit? <laughs> uh, it's it, it's not, it's, what, it's very much, I know it's a cliche, like it's a must-win game, but this game is two years worth of form. You know, if we win this, we can budget for two years of signings. We'll have 100 million to spend. If we lose this, we lose 60 million in the summer, and we probably have to sell one of Aubameyang and Lacazette, which puts us back in the process of getting forward next year. Wow. It, yeah, it's it's very much a sliding doors moment here. Like if 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 Arsenal win here, this is a successful season for Unai Emery, and he gets next year to build on it. If he doesn't win, there may be cause for him to go. There may be cause. For him there to go. might. He when, should. Well, he should. I well, like how everyone th assumes or thinks it's either one of Aubameyang or Lacazette who should be sold. I mean, I get because of the value, but you have a player who shows up three times a season and sits on 350k a week and does nothing. He doesn't even play away games. And the only thing he's been doing this season is taking pictures with dictators and inviting them to his wedding. So, but the difficulty I mean, there is, Lana, is you know, uh, uh, selling I, uh, him. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Abamian yeah, no will get money for Özil would have to pay someone to take away because of his because of his wages and because his form's dropped off and because no one plays languid, disinterested number tens who may be capable of moments of genius but don't really like to actually try and tackle people. There is one team that does that. 
It's Milan. And even they could fucking hold up their end of the bargain and get into the Champions League last night. They spunked that way and finished fifth. I know. To be um, fair, they won the game, but oh my God, it was an insane ending to the Serie A season. To be fair, I mean, if we remove Juve, because, well, they yeah. They won, they won in February. Yeah. By then, yeah. <laughs> but it was an insane game. I mean, uh, Inter, they got so lucky. Oh, they're going to be in part three, though, with Arsenal if they win. Yeah. No, Atlanta went up. Yeah, Atlanta went up as well. I mean, that's Fantastic. like a fair, fairy tale story. Although it's a better I... story than Leicester winning the league. But the only the only side in Europe that was really rumored about buying A Ozil and B Mustafi was our good friend and com- was our good friend Ivan Gazidis in yeah. AC Milan, and now they've no money. Yeah, and, now and, they're stuck with Gattuso. So yeah, I mean, and now the latest story that. that's come out today is that, which from the Daily Star. So let's let's take many pinches of salt. But it amused me just for the sheer Bayfest cheek of it was that Arsenal have straight after the game made an inquiry about Donnarumma, <laughs> which oh, God, is a so ridiculous. Weird. But be just quite funny because you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm quite I quite like it when people fuck with AC Milan, uh, just because the the club is an absolute fucking shambles. It's it's now trying to catch into Milan for like the most fucked up run club club in Syria. Um, the two of them are having an eternal battle to the death of who can waste most resources <laughs> to achieve the least. Um, well, one choked, the other one had a player who didn't play for three months and missed a penalty. And- and mm. no one wants him, except Juve fans, because they want to fuck with Inter. And now Juve fans also want to buy Ramangoli from Milan just to fuck with them. So basically, it's going to be a summer of Juve fucking with every club in Serie A. Aren't Juve already going to fuck with Inter by letting them have Antonio Conte? Yeah, but he's a snake. No one want- Anyway, so fuck him. I mean, <laughs> but he's going to struggle to get out of the Champions League group and then blame the snow. Uh, for being the reason. I mean, yeah, because it's the snow's fault you, you know, drew against fucking Copenhagen. It's the snow's fault that you, you know, drew against, uh, you couldn't draw against Galatasaray. I mean, please, piss off. So, they can have him for all I care. We're still going to win the league next season. Probably so, going to walk in and win it in January this time. I mean, for those that don't know, uh, Lana is a <laughs> Juventus fan, amongst other things, uh, and takes great pleasure from seeing the demise of basically all plausible opposition within Italy, uh, either because, like Napoli, they are a great team with lacking intestinal fortitude, or because they're one of the Milan teams and, frankly, fucking deserve it. Mm. Uh-huh. Oh, apparently, according to the Napoli president, they won the league last year. It, it, this is like Inter, you know, uh, winning the league on paper because we got stripped off of two titles. Yeah, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's like Arsenal won the league in uh, 2017 because, you know, Leicester wasn't a real football team. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, like that. I mean, you know, without wishing to say anything to piss you off, Alana, it's also a bit like Leon living, winning Ligue 1, but uh, we'll open that can of worms a little bit later when we get on to... Th- yeah, that's so. not likely for the next decade. <laughs> it doesn't matter how many legends they bring back. But, um, yeah. Have so- you, have you, Matt, have you seen um, Leon's new manager? Have you heard who it is? Uh, I, I, I've heard who it was rumoured to be, but I've been sort of in a media lockdown for the last couple of days, apart from like the last five minutes. So is it indeed you, the person I think it is? It's Silvino. Really? I thought, yeah. he was, I thought he was coming to be like technical director. No, that's no. that's that's Judinio Pernancabro. 
Oh, right. So they brought... Yeah, Silvino. Sorry, I thought he was being brought in for a different job and they were going to try and get Arteta, but then Arteta decided he wasn't going to leave Man City because money, money, money. Uh, yeah, we don't want greasy Spaniards anyway, so... It's not our <laughs> hey, on fire tonight, kids. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Silvino, I mean, I have to say, his managerial career to date is uh, what? Yeah, that. But he apparently has been doing well in Brazil. Uh, I mean, it's a huge risk, though. Um but fans are really excited, and it's Aulas giving up so much power in terms of bringing Juninho back and hiring Silvino. It's, I mean, he was in tears when he greeted Juninho at the airport yesterday and was like, welcome home after a decade of being gone. Uh, but I'm really excited because I think Juninho is a very intelligent and, you know, tactically very smart in terms of, you know, not just because of everything he's won and accomplished, but just as a human being as well. Okay, well, that well, it, oh, sorry, I, I think he'll do well. I think that having that connection also and being able to bring in Brazilian, you know, players, that won't be such a bad thing. Uh, it also, you know, stills confidence in having, being able to keep the likes of Jose Mawad, uh, you know, Lopez and all these academy players. I think, you know, and Dombele is going, uh, that's for sure. Uh, Fakir is leaving as well, hoping to keep Mendy. But, you know, when Zidane comes calling, <laughs> it's really hard to say no well, didn't the club to the say greatest they were only midfielder sell, of all time. Didn't, they only, didn't the club say they were only going to sell a couple, two or three players this summer? Um, two, two and Fakir. Two and Fakir. So, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, apparently Depay is staying now all of a sudden. God help us all. Can't just someone get him for 10 million? And, didn't, you know. didn't Depay put out like an Instagram story to say he was like, thanks for everything, I'm going, kind of like yeah. three days ago or something? Yeah, but the thing is, no one wants him. But there's a rumor that Liverpool are willing to offer forty million. I'm like, I will personally buy him a Ryanair ticket to ship him off to England if that's what it takes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, as Arsenal fans, we've had a number of players that would definitely fit into that particular category. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if, mm-hmm. if if the if the emotion felt at Leon is going to be replicated when Edu turns up at Arsenal. Uh, <laughs> no, the, Edu not renowned for his forty yard free kicks into the top corner. Not so mm. much, but. He he, you know, he was part of a. He was an invincible, uh, so that gives him a certain credibility. Uh, and also, yeah, it's still he, not the same. You know, when he scored beautiful free kicks against Barcelona, Madrid, Bayern Munich, being the greatest free kick taker of all time, having educated the likes of Pirlo, Pjanic, Fekir, and you know, even Lacazette to a certain degree. And who does at least have a genuine passport, which takes him one step ahead of Silvino. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Does his gas bill not count? No. I mean, passports are you know overrated these days. Anyway, just look at Brexit. Come on. <laughs> no, we're getting all new shiny passports, which are exactly the same as the old ones, except for they don't have the words European Union on them because that's. Are you allowed old. to vote this time, or? Uh, let's face it, no one knows what the fuck's going to happen. We've got Farage yeah. winning more votes than anyone else in uh, in the Brexit vote vote off, and the two major parties in the process of collapse. So who knows? We might be underwater and all dead in about two or three years so I'm not going to agonise about it too much at this stage the, the, the level just move to Scandinavia you know ambulances are free they don't cost $500 and you know you can vote there's clean water great fish it, it does, beautiful it, you, people yeah, but it's a, a just a costs, really like, cold daily wage. sometimes 
<laughs> I and got, our rate wages are great. Yeah, but I'm an actor, so that doesn't count for me. <laughs> I will be, I, if you're going to be penniless, it's no point being penniless in somewhere that's really expensive because everyone else is earning loads of money. <laughs> yeah, that rules out Dublin too, then. <laughs> well, indeed. Uh, mind you, I'm living in London, so what do I know? Um, True. So speaking about uh, London-based things, what do we think about the Europa League final? Because I, I know, obviously, me and Stephen have a very vested interest. Lana, your interest is slightly less vested, I'd be fair to say. Um, uh, mine is invested of in the guy that brought you to the final. So I have a. Vi- the thing is. Oh, Bambi, eh? No. The thing, the thing is, listen, God. I am sacrificing a lot here because if Chelsea wins the Europa League, Leon doesn't have to go through qualification rounds to qualify for the Champions League. If Arsenal win, Leon has to go through qualifications. So I am giving up a lot for one man. <laughs> so it's it's the love that won't die, kids. Uh, for those yeah. for those that I can't you, that, bla- you can't blame it to be fair. Well, I mean, uh, it just occurred to me there may be people on this podcast that aren't a hundred percent sure who who Lana's talking about. It is, of course, the one, the only Alexander Lacazette, who is uh, proving himself to be the man who everyone expected to be in trouble when Aubameyang turned up. And I remember speaking to you two at the start of this season, uh, fearing that perhaps his chances may be limited and his reputation may be diminished, uh, while. And no doubt we'll talk about that in any second now. But while the French national team still seem to treat him like an outcast, despite the fact they're now scratching around picking some rather dubious characters instead, at Arsenal, he is, uh, he is cult hero, he is first choice, he has redefined the team's tactical setup. So has, so much has been the success of his relationship with the Bamiyang. And, and uh, I, I think all concerns that people had for Lacazette's well being at Arsenal, he, he's confounded us all because he's just been even better than we all thought he would be for the club possibly even you, can, you Lana you can thank Remy Gard for that I'm just saying <laughs> well you know Remy, Remy, Remy Gard was the man that was brought in to back babysit Patrick Vieira so he's already an Arsenal legend in my eyes <laughs> yeah happy day <laughs> but when was the last time Badger because I, I can't ask Lana this because she's not old enough but <laughs> when is the last time you remember like a proper old school two up front partnership like this do you mean at well, Arsenal? Or do you mean- yeah. <laughs> oh, at Arsenal. Yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, well, it, I mean, not if you're including Den. If you're including Dennis Burkamp, but when he used to still play up front before he became a, a number ten, then you're looking at when we first won the double under Wenger when he scored twenty uh, odd goals and was Player of the Season. But if you're looking at two striker strikers, you're basically looking at Ian Wright and Kevin Campbell, sort of ninety four yeah. when. When we, we, we- so would you call Lacazette, a, you know, a pure striker though? considering how much he's redefined his role. Well, I'd call him a pure striker who's good enough to do lots of other things because he's got an all-rounded game. He he may not be as much of an out-and-out pure goal scorer as someone like Aubameyang who's all about pace and movement off the ball. But that's the thing. But Lacazette is a... He is, he was, because when... You know, this is a guy who came through on the wings uh, hoping to, you know, take over for Lisandro and Gomez, then converted into the middle. And then with with Fekir being out for over a year with his injury, was then well forced in many ways to redefine, just changes all around game, becoming someone who's more involved overall, Mm. creating chances, being, you know, adding a playmaker role to his position. Much, you know, like, for instance, Latan has done over the years. 
Well, I would definitely say that one of the great things we've seen from Lacazette this season is, is quite apart from the, his increased physicality and ad- adaptation to basically the fact that lots of things don't get called as fouls in England, particularly if you're not English. Um, but he's also, his ability to drop deep so he can have that partnership with Aubameyang has been great, as has, to be fair, Aubameyang's willingness to pull out wide when Lacazette's not dropping deep to give us more options. But uh, also... I think Lacazette's influence is extended beyond that. He, he, the fighting spirit he's shown and his willingness to drop deep and help out the team, not just in possession, but also when, when we're out of possession. I mean, you know, we've had goals this season started by Lacazette winning the ball deep in midfield. Um, I, I think, A, that makes the two up front tactic work and it gives us that as a genuine option where we're actually getting to utilise our two most dangerous attacking players as opposed to alternating them. But also, Lacazette's uh, spirit particularly during this Europa League run, uh, apart from when he got sent off for twatting someone. Um, Fully deserved. But uh, the twatting, I presume, rather than the sending off. Yeah, I thought so. (laughs) Well, the sending off was, uh, to be fair, it was fully deserved as well. (laughs) But 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 I I think you know in this in this kind of multiple captain setup where we've you know as. some of our multiple captains are either retiring or leaving or basically we're going to be forced out the club as soon as they can find someone to take their wages. It, it, I think Lacazette has definitely, uh, without any shadow of a doubt, earned himself a position on that list of uh, leaders of the club. He's gone from being someone that came in and to kind of take over from Giroud and then was threatened by Aubameyang and had issues with injury and a little occasional lack of confidence last season to now he's a, a genuine leader at the club. And certainly what we've seen in this Europa League run, particularly the last two rounds, is him and Aubameyang basically look at each other, thought, right, we're going to have to do this and work together to basically make it happen when the rest of the team, you know, the Arsenal midfield has still been a bit of a, a mess. Especially with Ramsey being injured as exactly, well. Exactly, exactly. I think those three really were such a huge part of Arsenal reaching that final. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, Ramsey's so unlucky to miss out as well. Uh, my heart broke for him when he tweeted that the Napoli game was the last game that he featured for Arsenal and you could see that he was heartbroken at the last home game as well and I was like so sad because I was like he's coming to my club but at the same time this is someone that I've associated with Arsenal for over a decade someone that I've fought with Wilshire fanboys over so much <laughs> uh, and Mesut, you know Mesut Ozil fanboys that he is really the one that Arsenal should build around and not you know Fisheye and Wilshire guy but that's not just story and now he's on his way to Turin to play with the likes of Pjanic and you know Matuidi and these big boys so it's sad to see his Arsenal career ending that way but hopefully the boys can make it up to him on Wednesday. Well, with with uh, relating to his Arsenal career, and I, and I, and I want to bring you on, on this, Stephen. With um, obviously his the fact that he got injured just as he was like really on a top form when he was proving himself to be invaluable to the team. But once again, those Welsh hamstrings went. Uh, I mean, that's been unfortunately so much of what has defined the second half of his Arsenal career because he had his good start, the horrific injury, the comeback from that, which was fantastic. Uh, he had that amazing start to the 13-14 season where he was like best midfield in the country by every single fucking metric until he got his, his injury, you know, goal scoring, chances created, tackles, passes, the whole whole lot. And then since that injury, he hasn't been able to sustain more than four or five months of staying fit. Uh, without, without, uh, that's what I'm saying. That's the most he sustained uh, without, without his hamstrings going. And, and maybe that's... 
ultimately part of the reason, quite apart from the fact that we've stuck with the wages of Ozil and Mkhitaryan and can't do any squad renewal if we give another person 250 grand a week. But maybe essentially that's part of the decision is that he is worth the money without any shadow of doubt when he's fit, but he's yeah. mi- he's missing the three three months, two to three months on average of every single season at key points of the season. And so, you know, you, you'd love to build a team around what he can do, but you can't build a team around what he can do if he's always missing for so much so much of it. In the same way that when we had Cazorla, you know, the team had a fluidity in midfield that was really exciting, but as soon as Cazorla got injured, the, the, the fucking house fell calm. over. Yeah, and that's the problem. It's like health is a skill. Uh, you know, it's a very, very much a basketball saying in America, but the ability to stay healthy is a commodity. It's an asset to you. If you were able to prove that you can play 40, 45, 50 games a season, it's worth a lot of money to you in the long run because you can go to a team and go, look, I can play this amount of games for you. And Ramsey, as much as we love him, as much as we know he is a world-class player on his day, you cannot look at a calendar three months ahead and go, well, he'll be fit then. And to give someone 250 grand a week, hoping that he's going to be fit, is just something, it's not a luxury that Arsenal can afford right now. And it's Arsenal's own problem. And because fault, they were yes, they were yeah. forced into a corner, you know, having to give one of Ozil or Alexis a new contract to try and save face. We know that. But in the cold light of day, can Aaron Ramsey stay fit for six months in a row? And my honour... I, I want to say yes. I hope to God yes, and I hope he's brilliant at the Juventus. But I think he's would got I a better be, chance. Would I be surprised if he's Juventus. fit? No. I think he's got a better chance of achieving that at Juventus, partly because he's got more people around him to do some of the heavy lifting. Uh, he's got fewer he, games. He's got fewer games. Uh, the Italian league, no matter how much we, we we might rate some of the players in it, is not as quick and relentlessly physical in every single match as the Premier League game. You know, the bottom teams in Italy have their good games, and they sometimes raise their game. But there are, there are games I've seen in Serie A where if you're one of the top teams, you get an early goal and you can have a nice, easy time, particularly if you're Juventus and, frankly, you are owning the league. Um, he should be... not our fault. No, I'm not saying it is, but he should. But he should be able to have to, to be able to get rotated more and to have uh, less intensity game by game by game by game, which can only help those injuries. Which you know they're partly the result of his style, which is also, uh, has a lot of intense running and a lot of sprinting and a lot of uh, you know covering vast distances. But of course, but if you if you were the a fan of you know insert club X here like a mythical club and your club and your you know director of football says right, we're going to make the Aaron Ramsey our best player. We're going to pay him two hundred and fifty grand a week. How confident are you of him being there every week? But you only do that if you don't you don't. But that um, was not the reason why. Cause no, no. I don't know if you guys saw the video. Um, uh, where they justified it, tried to justify it using wage, uh, balancing the wages as the reason why they didn't keep him, which I thought was like, okay, really, you're going to come and talk to me about balancing wages when you have two shit heads on 270k and on 350k, who barely shows up three, four games a, a year, and one doesn't even play away games. I mean, would you rather not have someone who's fit for maybe six months a year who actually shows up, wins you trophies, is instrumental in getting you to finals than having someone who barely shows up 
Well, what, do you want the long answer or the short answer to that, Lana? The short, the, 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 short, the short answer is yes, we would want that player, but unfortunately they'd already spunk the money on the other ones and they can't get rid of them at this stage in time. Yeah. Um, and like, I, to- I told you that, Stephen, uh, yep. when they gave him the new contract, I said the biggest mistake Arsenal did was renewing uh, Ozil's contract yep. because not only did that rule out uh, being able to go and get someone like Fikir, Who's what? Who's, he's not going to go for more than forty million this summer. The thing, the fact that Arsenal is broke as hell, rules him out. I mean, imagine bringing in Fekir at this Arsenal side, reuniting him with Lacazette. Well, I think. But that- instead, you're forced to stick with Mkhitaryan uh, and fucking Mesut Özil. But Who's here's trash. Here's the counter to this. This is the this is the kind of the not a moral problem, but it's the it's the you know it's the catch twenty two problem that Arsenal have at the moment because. You're right. We should, you know, Alexis Sanchez and Mesut Ozil shouldn't have been allowed to run their deals down as long as they did no. without a solution being sought. If they weren't going to stay with a year left in their deal, they should have been gone, sold, blah blah, whatever. Yeah. Arsenal's departing players policy for the last seven or eight years has been broken and incompetent, and I think everyone who follows the club is aware of that. Sorry, Stephen. No, no, but that's that's my point. So, Lauren Koscielny has a year left in his contract. He's going to leave this summer. Possibly. If we can yeah, but he is. If we, Austin's if we not going to give him a new contract. They're not going to give it to someone who's had the injuries he's had. They would be stupid to do so. But what's what's his tra- what's his net transfer value? Is it worth Arsenal selling him for the amount of money they get for him, given that every other club knows about those injury problems? What would you take? Because he's still wanted by most of the clubs mm. in France. Why not go back? But I mean, it's not worth Arsenal selling him for ten or fifteen million because, frankly, uh, he's worth that much to Arsenal uh, because he is still. When when fit the best centre half at the club, but you know if anyone wants to put thirty million pounds in their pocket, then we'll, we'll and he and he wants to go, then you give the guy a blessing and you thank him for all his hard service and you wish him all the best for the future and hope that he can keep going longer than we think he can. But that's the same argument we made at the start of last season when Sanchez and Ozil had one year left in his deal and said, well, if he gets us back into the Champions League, it's worth paying him. Well, yes and no because the Sanchez, we know that there was. Basically, we got we got fucked by Man City on that one because they were like, we want to buy him, 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 we want to buy him. The last last day, and then suddenly they turn up and they lowball us on the last fucking day of the transfer. They dodged a bullet though. They did dodge a bullet, but they only dodged a bullet because they were. They only dodged a bullet because they were. They intentionally fucked us. Basically, mm. <laughs> because if it, obviously if they'd put a bid in earlier in the summer, there'd have been negotiations, and he would have left. Yep. But Man City were basically well, we want to keep the price down, and we don't want the player that much because we've still got a fucking amazing squad that's been assembled for one and a half billion. So let's just fuck with Arsenal if we get him on the cheap. They should have taken the risk. They should have sold them. It would have saved Arsenal so much bullshit. Well, yeah, and then, that, that's probably why they didn't buy. You have to take, sometimes you have to take the risks. I mean, I have to be said when it came to that final bid. Uh, I would have been tempted to sell him because it was Ozil you always knew wanted to stay it was just a case of could we pay him enough but the fact that we fucked the Sanchez situation meant that Ozil was going, always going to get more money from us than he would otherwise so I would have sold Sanchez but not even that the fact that the board overruled Wenger in January when the swap came when he wanted Martial and Martial wanted us as well as Arsenal, but, uh, but were Man United open to that? Because I I heard that I heard that they, uh, Man United would have only done that if they'd got like another twenty five million on top. Yeah, and they were, it, they, Arsenal would have had the money to pay for pay it. It would have been worth it. You don't think he I, would have been better off coming to Arsenal? I, Come I, on. 
I no, I agree. I, I like Anthony Martial as a player. I mean, having said he that, he would have had a better career now than he has had under Jose Mourinho for course, the past two and a half seasons. Of course, I totally agree. I think I think that the, the only question about that is, uh, as we as we had the Aubameyang deal already in the pipeline, if you have Aubameyang and Lacazette. And you already have those two. What happens? Where are you going to play Anthony Martial and those two? And you've got three a three striker system. And when, you know, before it even ever played a two striker system. So I can understand. All three are capable of playing out wide. Uh, hey, or I, in the I, middle. I agree with you. I'm just presenting the boards. The boards. You could have played Aubameyang and Lacaz- uh, in Martial out wide with Lacazette in the middle. Hell, so, you could have played Lacazette behind those two. Okay, There's well, so many formations. Okay, well, jump, jumping, only- jumping into that then. How about, because obviously Mislintat was a massive mover behind the Mkhitaryan deal because mm. he had a relationship with Mkhitaryan, he wanted the player, he felt he could trust the player. Uh, so do, do you think Arsenal fans should be looking at the departure of Mislintat uh, and feeling happier that now we're going to have uh, some combination of Edu and uh, Francisco Cagigio, the man who discovered Fabregas for us, uh, leading the player recruitment department, even though Mizentat is sort of Europe-wise recognised as this re- recruitment genius. What do we think? Well, that's the thing. They, they, are they bidding for a Lauriad centre mid or attacking mid? Yeah, as a young lad. Good, good yeah, so yeah. very as a as a as a football manager degenerate like you and myself, Matthew, you know what the first thing we do in football manager when you buy a new game is download a shortlist of wonder kids. You dip into uh, the don't. French league. That's what you do. It, for me, it's I, I cannot comprehend how no one has gone to France and picked up one of the dozen amazing scouts that are circling around you know the country. It's a, it's insane. You know that you know uh, Pepe was worth twelve million uh, the summer before he yeah. turned down Lyon to stay at, at Lille, and now he's worth. Around seventy million. Well, actually, Arsenal, Arsenal made inquiries about him last summer, but were were, were knocked back because they left it late in the summer because they were trying to, you know, they didn't get their shit together in time. Yeah, he would have said no anyway because he turned out every club. He said he wanted to stay yeah. at the club. He believed in the project, and look now, they're heading into the Champions League. And he's heading towards a massive move to get a fuck ton of money. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So he's linked to Bayern Munich as well. Okay, I mean, so here's a question for you, Lana. Do you know anything about Alexis Claude Maurice? I do not. Uh, to be, <laughs> I don't. Unfortunately, I don't even know about the centre back that's been linked. I, the only thing I know is that he plays for Saint Etienne. Saint Etienne, yeah, 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 which is Lyon's arch rivals. Uh, he was supposed to be called up for the World Cup, but then withdrew because he was injured. I've only heard good things about him, but I haven't seen him play. Uh, well, he, and you he, know the two times we've played Saint-Étienne we've crushed them both times so well, he, that's be right if Mislintat has got in yeah. stayed at Arsenal for a year filled their, filled their database with you know 40 50 young lads and then they've gone thanks Fed cheers for that <laughs> fuck off bye <laughs> and now they're going to buy all of them well I think well actually with the uh, uh, Alexis Claude Maurice is a player that they I know that they were aware of for a little while because obviously they would have seen him when they were scouting Ganduzi because him and Ganduzi are like BFFs um, mm-hmm. and, and, and came up you know through to they're the same age they came up together uh, Claude Maurice has had a, obviously a really good season in League 2 for, for Lorient um, he's, 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 he's got an interesting profile of a player because he's 
He's basically the similar sort of body shape to Lacazette, uh, not the same strength, obviously, not the same finishing ability, but is fucking rapid as well, um, and is technically quite a good player. He's, he's mostly played out wide this season, but has also played up front a bit, scored a few goals. Um, you know, he's the kind of profile of player that Arsenal are realistically having to buy because we're not, you know, unless we get the, the Champions League money. Uh, we need to be buying smart for players who, who, you know, younger players who are going to accrue value, a bit like we did with Project Youth back in the day, and you know, they that went well. Well, it, it, it went well to a point because if we hadn't been kicked the fuck out of the 2007-2008 title race, we'd have won the league with basically some old guys who were past their best and some young players that had relatively unproven. Um, and, and you know, let's face it, Arsenal are not in a weaker position comparatively now to then. So it makes sense to be trying to fill your squad with younger, cheap players who can increase in value, and then save your real money for the players you know, like maybe you can get in Umtiti. You know, that's where you spend your money in a proven player that's going to be straight into the first team, and then you fill the rest of your squad with players who've got potential to improve, rather than. Uh, rather than getting ageing pros on high wages, which has been the, the case for the last few years, or people like El Neni who, uh, you know, can do a job but have a limited skill set and not much room for growth potential. Um, but if you listen to the Twitter people, or more like the long live fanboys, and TT is just shit. Yeah, Why would I you did, want to I, sign him? I, I, I did hear someone describe um, TT as the French Ledley King because he's got no knees. Yeah, I, I find that funny as well. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, are his injury problems that bad? The thing, but the yes. thing is, he, he's not injury prone. He's not fucked as people. The thing is, they Barcelona wanted him to have the surgery last summer. Yeah. He said no. <laughs> Funny he enough. went to the World Cup because he was like, I'm not going to risk the World Cup. I'm a starter with, you know, Varane. Oh, hell no. He's the reason they went to the final with his only goal against Belgium and then went on to win the World Cup. I mean... And then came back. You have to back his choice in that scenario, yes. <laughs> Obviously, I think I think pretty much all of France backs his choice. Uh, and now he's tried alternative treatments and everything. His issue is that he's not match fit. He's been out for so many months. Yeah, yeah. And whenever he's being thrown into games, he, he obviously he's not going to perform to the standards that he did before the season, last season. Because he's not match fit. But people are dumb. They don't get it. The only thing they've been doing is dick riding Long Lei, who's fucking trash during big games. Oh my god, I'm so angry. I cannot believe that people actually think that Long Lei is better than <laughs> That's like saying Mexis is better than Taram. Okay, well, that's a bit of a stretch, well, 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 but you know, well, you long, get it. Longley is like a sexy modern footballer because he can pass the ball well. Uh, well, so can my dead grandmother. <laughs> you don't see me, you know, praising her on Twitter. Uh, May she rest in peace. Well, well, moving away from Tim and Longley, because otherwise Lana may explode and then we'll get letters. Uh, <laughs> the, the young centre-half we've been linked from Satyen is a young William Saliba, who is a big lad. He's got a lot of size about him. He's pretty quick and he's very comfortable on the ball. But, you know, he is relatively unproven. He's only had um, maybe just over half a season in, in Liga. Uh, but he's a very young player, which is exactly why he's had half a season in Liga. Um, he got a vote of confidence today from old Exxonal Arsenal legend uh, Lauren, who says who, who says he's very keen on what he sees from from the youngster. Um, so maybe there's something in there. Uh, Jose Mourinho compared him to a young Kurt Zuma, which I'm not sure is necessarily what we want to be aiming for, given that Kurt Zuma is not a bad player. To be fair, he's just been very very unlucky with 
his injuries. And, and also the fact that Chelsea have a sort of uh, a policy of making sure that they loan out 100 million players every year, and he seems to be one of them. I mean, Zuma, Zuma is a as a good defender, defender, but I'd I'd hope that if Arsenal are targeting this this guy, he's better on the ball than Zuma is. Um, or, you know, uh, although Zuma is obviously very quick and very strong. Um, it's one of those things where that these are the players we should be targeting if we don't win on Wednesday. Well, I mean, to be fair, there's no, like we have, like, there's no harm we, in targeting You need those well. players anyway. But yeah, exactly. You, you would hope that these players are accompaniments to the main course if we win on Wednesday. You would hope that these players come and someone. Yeah, you know. Exactly. Whereas if we don't win on Wednesday, we might just get these Possibly. I mean, uh, uh, this is is a slight digression, really, but I mean, there's obviously Arsenal have a bit of with Ramsey leaving and Welbeck leaving and, you know, Jenkinson finally leaving and possibly uh, um, uh, Emilio Martinez leaving. Um, Arsenal are going to have a problem filling their homegrown quota for next year. So, you know, is this why we're being linked to why we might spend lots of money on Wilfred Zaha if we manage to... If we manage to win, get the Champions League or have been linked to Ryan Fraser because they kept both counters homegrown, or do you think the money's better spent elsewhere and we should give the likes of Smithrow, uh, Reese Nelson, Bakayo Saka, and others a chance in those wide positions to make an impact? What's your? That's thinking? what. That's what I would do. Like you, you, you buy your first team and you, you buy your first team and you make your homegrowns play not as the B team but as the reserves, like the first backup, and then when you get injuries because Arsenal always do, they play and they grow. You know, like it's now that Reese Nelson and Mill Smith Rowe have to be getting games. Agreed. And they've they've shown enough And you've made Javier Amici as well, who's only got a year left on his contract. Sorry. Yeah, like they, but these guys have shown enough to be at least given a go. And they they sort of got a go in the Europa League in the early rounds and they were showing glimpses of, oh, if they get four or five games, maybe they could do a run. And it's either you either you bite the bullet and you go, right, okay, we're gonna play these, they're gonna be on the bench for half the games and we go from there. Or you sell them to someone who thinks, Oh, he might be worth sixty billion quid in two years, let me spend twenty on him. It's well, one of the two. Well it's also we've seen uh, and, and Lana referenced it, the the kind of the two part interview with Raoul and Vinay, uh, where uh, it was made very clear that uh, we're looking, you know, if, if Ajax and Barcelona both have their core from their youth team, that's what Arsenal should do. As if, like, we haven't been trying to fucking do that. We've just not been good enough. Has Barcelona their core from their youth team? Well, when Barcelona were the best team in the world, they're called, they're some, a lot of their core was from their youth team. Uh, I mean, it helps when, they, when you have a, a crop of five fucking world class youth teamers come through in the space of two years. And one of them is the best player of all time. Yeah, but yeah. they haven't had really good players come through their academy for a very, very minute. Ever since Guardiola made that remark about Wilshire and uh, the academy players, they haven't really had any good players coming out of that academy. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the best, the and best in the last Leon has overtaken the them as the best academy in what? Europe. Uh, for the past at least four or five years. Well, well of course, Le- Leon and, and Ajax, who are the other club that uh, Sanier referenced, uh, you know, they're both teams that any success they've had has always had an element of of academy prospects in it. And as you say, Leon and Leon's academy may be more prolific now than it has been, but it has always churned out fantastic players. Uh, and Leon has had more academy players in their starting lineup every season than Ajax has. Even this season, yeah. Uh, if you look at uh, at starting eleven of Leon's, uh, eight of them were academy players, which is which is incredible. Um, and and um, I just merely mention Ajax because Ajax 
always have and have always and for like 40 50 years have had a consistent run of youth players coming through their academy and of course you know some of them are only good enough for the dutch league and then some of them go on to be world beaters but either way both clubs are fucking great models for arsenal to follow um so here's my question then to you steve and just before we move on to other things arsenal fundamentally need a wide player if you, th- you think that we should be going for using, focusing more on the younger players to fulfil those roles in the squad, and you obviously view Ryan Fraser and potentially Zaha as squad players, who do you think, what kind of wide player should we be aiming for, and any names that spring to your mind? <laughs> Sorry, Lana, we're not buying that one. <laughs> you, know, you know you can have Traore for free? He's linked to Arsenal and Everton and Liverpool. You can have him for free. Yeah, what's happened to him? Because like last season he was pretty good, and this season he's been like, oh my fucking god. Well, apparently they're suffering all heartbreaks. Men need to grow a pair, either see a therapist, get over their daddy issues, or get on the pitch and play football. Well, in the pies, you know, situation he's making music. So if you're shit at one thing, at least you have your backup career. Others take their, you know, masters like Kilini, while Depay goes and make crap music. Well, of course, well, the great amusement about uh, Traore is because uh, he he's the poster boy for the Chelsea uh, transfer ban, uh, being the fact that they brought him in illegally and bribed his parents to bring him to the club the year before he was supposed to come, etc., etc., etc. But he would count as homegrown. <laughs> yeah. so, so if we got him cheap enough, that would address our homegrown coach. You can have him for free as well. I mean, well, I don't know. I don't well. know if. I don't know if Monsieur Olas would agree to that particular transaction. I think Olas would, considering <laughs> how fucking destroyed. Oh my god, he's been so bad this season, but nothing compares to the pie. So, Stephen, what, what, what do you think about a wide player? It, Who it's, should be it's, going for? it's one of those ones where if we're still going to play two up front, it's yeah. for example, we win Wednesday and we keep our we keep our main players, which means we keep Ozil, we keep Aubameyang, and we keep Lacazette. It doesn't really l- lend to having a squad full of wide players. No. I thought you said white players. Uh, that too. <laughs> Forget. I'll just take this red cap off. Hold on. But yeah. But if you're going to be playing two up front all the time, and you've got Reese Nelson who can play up front, you've got Eddie Nketiah who can play up front. Like you've got cover now. Well, Reece, like well, Reece Nelson can play as a sort of a withdrawn attacker or as a wide player. He can't, he's, n- he's never been a striker. He's not a nine, no. But like you can, you can mix and match and adapt. Like you know, like we've seen our two up front play almost as one will play le- left wing, one will play right wing, and no one will play up front half so, the time. So, so, like, so, been... so, with that in mind, would you then prefer us to bring in someone who can play wide but can also play as a central role, either as a, in, a, in a more creative player? Uh, who could also must possibly play a more withdrawn role in a, f- a midfield three? I mean, what do you I think? Don't, I don't want to lob this grenade in, but I'd like to see if Danny Welbeck still fit. Well, he's a good, theoretically, he might be on the bench for the Europa League final, um, which, but he's, you know, the club seemed to have, he t- apparently turned down the last contract after the club gave him last summer, and the club seems to have decided to write him off with that in mind. Um, yeah. So I think his fitness is only really interest to teams like Everton and West Ham with money in their pocket and uh, a, a more first team opportunity to offer him. Yeah, I mean but I was, that 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 be the thing. Like after what's happened with Cazorla, <laughs> it was now back in the Spanish national team the squad. Like I know. it's amazing. Paul, like, will cr- Paul will be crying with tears when he. <laughs> yeah, like it's one of those ones where I'd like before completely writing him off because he was a good squad player. Oh, he's, yeah. never gonna, he's never going to start at the start level, but he's a good... It's not like a Ramsey case where you're paying a lad 250 grand a week to pay yeah, every game. This lad is going to play 20 games for you. 
like it's one of those things that you need like a good lad that can play left wing right wing up front and I suppose it depends the, on how much money he wants and, and what he's getting offered by the team, other teams that want him. But anyway. But for how much, like I said, would I rather pay Danny Welbeck 120 grand a week or would I rather pay 30 million for Ryan Fraser and probably 80 or 90 grand a week? Ryan Fraser? <laughs> it's a good question. Like, he's been Bournemouth's best player this year. Is this some vanilla boy that I haven't heard about? Pretty much. Oh, for the love of God. Like is, this got, was, is this what Arsenal has sunk into? When See, saying, when Wenger more, leaves, you buy trash. He's got more assists than anyone in the Premier League this season other from some Belgian lad at Chelsea. Black as but if you look at his XG and his XA and all the all the yeah, like, advanced stats and that, and you look at his radars and blah blah blah, he is basically a carbon copy of Alex Awobi. Oh, yeah. for the low of God, we already have yeah, one Awobi. His shit. Oh God. He's a quicker, smaller Awobi with a better output. I think that you should go for Fakir. You you know you <laughs> formed a good relationship with Leon with the Lacazette deal. You can send someone alone. He's not a defender because all your defenders are shit. But I mean, we'd, we'd like Leon are in desperate Ozil. need of a midfielder. <laughs> then again, you have crap midfielders he as well. So oh, no, you can have Jacket. Swap. <laughs> you know, Jacket would fit into Leon because, you know, actually, Jacket would do really well. I like Jacket. You heard it here first, kids. <laughs> you know, give give Leon thirty million and Jaka, <laughs> and you have Fakir. I mean, come on. Uh, uh, okay, <laughs> I think we'd better stop going down this path. Uh, but no, uh, I mean, we know that Allas is uh, not not going to let anyone go on the cheap. But um, I don't think Arsenal are in a position to be removing Xhaka from the squad this summer, even though we may wish to be doing it next summer, uh, simply because there's no one else we've got who can play in that position who's anywhere near ready, frankly. Uh, and Fikir, for all that he's a brilliant footballer, cannot play in that position, and we already have a number 10, albeit one that... It yeah, well, I mean, hey, if you offered me the swap of Mesut Ozil and Fikir, I'd, I'd, I'd do the same driving to the yeah. airport scenario thing. But we know that's not going to happen. And so would it be a Ryanair ticket or would it be <laughs> easy bet? That's the question here. Uh, but, the, but the thing is, is, you know, Arsenal can't spend the kind of money that Leon would need for Fekir if they still have Ozil because Fekir is a, a, a forward or a number 10 but cannot really play as a, as a real wide man or as a drawn role, which are the only places where where we have a need and a, a, I suppose a free wage budget if if Ozil leaves okay then it changes that's the why we're off the pie I don't understand why you guys are so picky I mean you really aren't in a position to be picky you have can have the pie or Traore well, hell we'll even give you Cornet he's the only one to score against City t- in both games this season. Uh, Name me another player who's done that. Unfortunately, you've sort of undermined your Depay argument quite strongly on the last three times you've been <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> um, I mean, hey, I mean, I'm going to... I, Even though the Dutch league is pony, I, I wouldn't mind us taking a punt on Hakim Zayek just because I think his positional flexibility could be useful for us and his work rate has doubled. I thought he was season. a done deal for Arsenal. The way Arsenal fans been saying, announce him, announce him. Well, it's, it's because anytime anyone's any good and they say they're an Arsenal fan, <laughs> like in their childhood, then we pounce on them, hoping they might be prepared to sign for us for less than they're worth. But uh, or we or we mock them like Harry Kane. Well, oh God! Yeah. Well, let's let's not open that can of worms because then we'll have to think about the Champions League final. But I mean, what final? Well, I, I don't know. Uh, something involving some teams in other places. Anyway, the final ended with Juve went out to Ajax. 
Yeah, yeah, and then Spurs beat Ajax, but we don't need to think about that any more than is necessary. Oh. Looking at the Europa League, um, obviously, I mean, hey, we don't have Ramsey to do a job on Jorginho anymore. And He's a doubt for the game, and Kante as well. Jorginho's Good. injured. Yeah, he picked up a knock last week, and Kante's yeah. probably out. Yeah, Kante's out, and Loftus yeah, Cheek so is both out. Both of them are out. But, but, but I didn't know Janino was also on the hit list. That that would be that would be big for Arsenal because we don't have, with no Ramsey, we don't, and Mkhitaryan not able to travel. And Jesus, let's open that can of worms again. Um, oh, we we don't we don't have anyone who can do the I'm just going to stand next to Jorginho and stop him being able to dictate play. Uh, thing. So if he was missing that, it could be quite significant for Arsenal. It means they'd have to play, what, uh, Barkley and Kovacic? Yes. Um, they'd probably have to play them anyway, because Laughter's cheek is out. Because yeah. he did yeah, Achilles he... in, the pre- in the pre-season two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, that was nasty as well. And so I felt bad for him. So is, it, so is it literally a case of, basically, Arsenal have to stop Oli Giroud getting his revenge goal? Oh, God, God no, please. And Fadi. And, of course, uh, Hazard, who is... Let's face it. Apart from on his way out, he's on his way out. He's going to want a big, one, a big, one, big finish, and he has given us a lot of trouble down the years. And we don't have a first choice right back. Um, Imagine if Higuain actually shows up to a final. Oh my god, okay. that would be. Oh, don't say traumatic. it. Don't say it. <laughs> but uh, that would be like Big Max scoring in a final. But I have to ask. Uh, firstly, I'm going to ask you, Lana, because you you, you are closer to neutral than me and Stephen. Even uh, uh, what do you think the outcome of the final is? Not what you want it to be, but what do you think it's going to be? <laughs> I I was thinking about this because when I saw that uh, Conte and Jorginho were out, I was like, I think Arsenal are at their best when they play a fully strengthened team as Chelsea. I feel that if Chelsea play a weakened team, Arsenal might underestimate, which we've seen in many cases over the years. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a theory that I have. Like, I really wanted them to have a fully strengthened team because then I think that Arsenal really would be in top form and like 10 out of 10 and just go all out and win it for Wenger. But I don't know. I'm hoping, I really hope that Lacazette shows up and just like takes it home because i really want him to be like fuck you the shams i hope you die a slow death or being bitten by snakes <laughs> i love the fact that at the start of this podcast lana said she was going to not really swear very much and i told her it was okay and here we are boys and girls i, I try to warn you i try i try to warn you i'm just it, so angry <laughs> i i embrace i embrace the fact with the profanity um Oh, so what do you what do you think the score is going to be? I want a scoreline prediction here, Lana. I'm going to put you on the spot. There's no money to win we or won. lose. Like I said, hat trick. Oh, there we go. Lord, or a brace. He will score two. So and the, he will assist Aubameyang for the third. The loyalty is there, kids. See, this is what it's like. This is what love is. Uh, this what, is what loyalty is. You might not know what it is, but, you know, <laughs> being a UV fan and seeing all my favourite players go down to Serie B and come back again, he was sort of have to be loyal. Lana, despite- until you've had the pain of watching David Hillier um, be the chief cog in your midfield for two or three seasons in a row, you don't know what loyalty is. <laughs> I watched Nicholas Anelka replace our greatest all-time player in Del Piero and then I watched the Nicholas Bentner come and play for us trust me <laughs> yeah but we had him, in the, we had him for yeah, years so you only had him for a summer <laughs> he scored for you guys do you know what he did he didn't assist or score he got injured in his third game and broke his wrist he didn't come back until he got a medal 
He was. He was. Well, like, he flirted with the girls who he, handed out the medal. He was the Danish Dennis Suarez. Um, what about oh. so uh, Stephen? What about your prediction for the final? What do you think? Any, anything other than what I've mentioned that's making you nervous or optimistic? Or where are we at? I, I tell you what's making me nervous: the fact that I'm confident. Oh Jesus! Okay. Oh God! Yeah, I know. That, I, I was confident before the FA Cup be final. I was confident Lam- we'd beat them in the cup final, and we did in the FA Cup final. So, you know, it might not be a bad thing. No, but long-term listeners will know me as the harbinger of doom on this podcast. Usually I'm the, I'm the cynic, but uh, Ebery has been hot and cold this year, but in big cup games, he's been brilliant. Like, Except to Man United at home. <laughs> big, big cup games. <laughs> it, it pops absolutely matter. I, I was very specific. But, you know, like, we have beaten the second-best team in, in Serie A over two legs and made them a cornery. We beat a team that, in a cup game last Saturday, beat Barcelona, with Gabriel Paulista and Francis Coquelin looking like Beckenbauer and Mateus. And you bet Ren, who won the league, uh, the cup over PSG. So, yeah. like, we've beaten three good teams, and you know, yes, against Ren, we went away, went away, and you know, laid an egg, but at home thrashed them. You know, we've thrashed Napoli at home, and then thrashed Napoli, and then thrashed Valencia away. Like in big games, he's picked the right team, and they've played well, and. I just, I just think he's going to do it again. I just, just, I, Mustafi doesn't have a brain fart. Oh no! I hope Mustafi has a fine time on the bench. Yeah. I hope he gets injured. That's what I do. Oh no! I, he, don't, I, I hope wish he doesn't get close enough to the pitch to get injured. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he had an interview where he said every every some every transfer window there's, there's rumors about me going out because you're fucking shit and people want you out, dumbass. Yeah, Mustafi missing a point just like he misses a tackle. It was sensational and it was well telegraphed. It's it's a case of like I, said, I just think over one game I would back Emery who has a history of winning finals over Sari who has a history of winning nothing. Oh great, because he's linked to Juve in his favour to taking over as our next manager. So thank you, Stephen. Thank you so much. You you wanted us to have the pie. Fuck you. <laughs> At least the pie scores and doesn't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know it's Italy. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, Saudi does play beautiful football. But oh, look, before no. before before yesterday, I was cautiously optimistic. Now Kante is out, I'm optimistic. I think he's. You just it. need to bubble wrap the shit out of Lacazette. That's all I'm telling you, because you cannot afford to have fish eye starting the game because you're screwed. That's like playing with ten men. Well, um, well I, th- I think Özil's probably going to start anyway, simply yeah. because we don't have enough other midfielders to pick from. Oh, for the love of God! Well, who, 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 who else are you going to play? Who else are you going to play? Live and had him start anyway. Okay, if, here's your choice. Do you, he, do you want yeah. Özil or Iwobi? That's that's your option because every, we haven't got enough players to fill a pitch <laughs> unless one of them plays. Unless you want El Nini playing instead of both of them, which is like nobody fucking wants that. You can start Iwobi and then bring on douche, uh, douche face. <laughs> or Are actually, no, because Iwobi is more likely to track back than that lazy bastard is anyway. So you might as well, you know, start him. But he's going to be a statue in midfield anyway. So, but they're going to count his pre-assist because apparently that's a new thing. Idiots. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stephen, on that note, uh, his, okay, God, bless, predi- God bless the hockey assist. Uh, pre, uh, yeah, uh, prediction of the Arsenal lineup and scoreline. Uh, firstly, do you start Petr Cech or do you start Leno? And presumably, which one do you think Emery's going to start? I would start Leno because he's the better goalkeeper, but he'll start Cech. 
Mm-hmm. I'd quite enjoyed Leno coming out, and someone was asking him, like, would, so would you do, like, Ben Foster and, and you know, step aside to, to let the re- the retiring hero... And he was like, nah, I want to play. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, good man. <laughs> oh, and, you know, the, the very, very well-timed leak that Ch- that Petr Cech's going to be taking a job at Chelsea at the, end, at the end of the summer, which we all knew already, but it was just reinforced. Like, oh, is he going to let in a gun? No, he's not. He's the consummate professional. Like, he hasn't been really, really good over the last couple of years because we've got him after his prime, but he's been decent. But I would pick Leno because Leno over the last couple of months has been brilliant. You know, right. and I don't think, I, as much as I would like to see Petr Cech go out in a high, I don't think Arsenal can afford any... To be sentimental? No, yeah. I don't think they can afford it. You know, this is too big a game. Not, not for a 70 But Emery will be. Well, it's also it's a tricky one because that's why the leak was so fucking powerful. Because obviously, if you've made a promise to a player, which it seems like Petr Cech felt like there may have been a promise made to him uh, yeah. that he's going to play, and then you go but back he's on the that cup, promise. He's the cup goalie. Yeah, and also, and if you go back on that promise, what does that does that damage other trust relationships? Particularly as Petr Cech is like you know the fucking perfect human in terms of the way he's respected by everyone. Yeah. Um, well, he can go fuck off. <laughs> You're not about to uh, you know gamble on a Champions League spot. Chelsea already has the Champions League. Let Sarri born out. Fuck him. So uh, back back four or back five, Stephen. Five. Okay, uh, so so that means you're going. You have to, you have to have a back five. So you, Socrates, Sokr- Koscielny, um, Montreal, uh, Maitland Niles, Kalasinac, Mustafi yeah. selling hot dogs outside. Anywhere, yeah, anywhere. Okay. If he get if he gets lost to customers in Istanbul, I won't care. <laughs> I mean, the insurance payout might be worth it. Um, and then, now, so- uh, even if you just have him in luggage. Like you pack him in one of the cases and have Sylvan throw him around <laughs> outside. <laughs> I'm sure Sylvan knows some big blokes that he throw. <laughs> I hope he misses his passport and doesn't get on the plane. Um, well, maybe, maybe maybe we could just tell him that uh, tell him that Mustafi's an Armenian surname and that would resolve the issue. Uh, so midfield: Torreira and Jaka, central midfield yep. pairing, and then uh, Bamiang and Lacazette, and, and the man who should not be mentioned. Okay, so the Mart. So, because the question is, is do you do you go for Ozil or do you pack midfield and play Genduzi, or is Genduzi your bench option for one of your other two players' legs? No, if Kante was playing, I wouldn't play Ozil, but because Kante isn't playing, I would play Ozil because we can afford it. Fair. Can, because, can you because, though? Really? Because Chelsea do not have a defensive midfielder now. That's the thing. Like, like this is a game perfect for us because they're not going to have anyone to track. Is, is it going to be? Is it going to be the, the the rise from the dead of Danny Drinkwater? No, but Danny Drinkwater, right. unless he's driving. Hey, thank you. I'm here all week. <laughs> <laughs> but I say, if Kante was playing, I wouldn't want to risk Ozil because he needs someone, as you said earlier, to stand on Jorginho's toes. Yeah. Without Kante, no one's going to do Jorginho's running for him. Because it's not going to be Parkley and the hell it's not going to be Kovacic. So there's going to be space. And with David Luiz bombing from defence, there's going to be opportunities on the counter-attack and it's it's set up for us. Like we mock him, but in terms of starting counter-attacks and going from there, with, with Lacazette running one side of Christensen and, and Aubameyang the other. Ozil, it, it, you know who would be good in this game? Aaron Ramsey? A peak, no, a peak Theo Walcott. Yeah, yeah. 
It's true because because uh, Marcus Alonso is great going forward but can't defend for shit, uh, and you need to and that, that's my primary concern actually is that uh, they're going to double up on that side against Maitland Niles. You've got Hazard, who's obviously their best player by a country fucking mile, which is why I would have Monreal playing centre back so they can shift over. And just fucking two foot the shit out of Hazard and <laughs> ship him off injured to yeah, Madrid. Just, just put a big X on on Hazard's back. There's a lot of room, and then just go, just give Socrates. Hey, there you go. Just aim at that. <laughs> and if Aubameyang really is a man, he would knock the shit out of Giroud so he could get off the national team and Lacazette comes in. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yes, Giroud has uh, now re- renewed his contract with uh, with Chelsea. Uh, Leeds Blue. Apparently, yeah, it bleeds blue. Apparently, uh, he bleeds blue when it's time for contract negotiations. When it becomes clear that they can't buy any new players, so so they're going to have to fucking give him a contract. Otherwise, they've got literally no one to play up front next season. Oh, I hope they keep it going. Otherwise, we're stuck with him next. <laughs> well, 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 this is the thing. We're not quite sure if it, does their transfer embargo count for kind of uh, you know option to buy scenarios or no? But the loan ends next summer. Yeah. Ah. Okay. So they're just going to basically uh, not say anything and, and keep him. If well, if Sari stays, Higuain will stay. Yeah. And if Sari, the goes thing is, Juventus, if Sari comes, he wants to, to bring the fat ass with him back. It's like, really, dude, really. It's like we don't have enough shit players in Cuadrado oh, yeah. and Kizira and Bonucci, and now he wants to bring up the fat ass. <laughs> oh, I need a new sport. <laughs> well, to be fair, you, you, your, uh, your other team, the Leon Ladies team, just won the Women's Champions League again uh, yeah. by basically yeah. dicking on the sport and we're having the World Player of the Year and the BBC Women's Player of the Year and blah, blah, blah again. Um, just basically showing the benefit of if you've got a chairman that really cares about women's football and is prepared to put his money where his mouth is and allow the, the players to be fully, fully professional, then you suddenly end up with a fit, incredibly skilled team that uh, dominates domestically and across the continent. I do like Arsenal. Did you see what the city chairman said? He said that they had to be tougher in negotiations with their women because they couldn't keep letting them leave for free to join Leon. Because, <laughs> yeah, we managed to sign two of their best players. I was going to say, and then the key to Paris goes, hey, bye, lads. <laughs> I, I, really, I really wanted Leon to come to the Emirates because, you know, mm. hence the men's team. But apparently when I asked on Twitter, everyone was like, we don't want to be dicked on our own ground. And I was like, fine, no need to be I, so touchy about it. I, I do like Arsenal's response to getting back into the, the, the Women's Champions League by looking at Bayern Munich and buying it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it, well, it's well, refreshing. I mean, what was what was really nice is that you know obviously they lost a couple of players. Uh, um, uh, Dominique Bloodworth went to Wolfsburg, is it that she's gone to? And and so, yeah. uh, and the uh, the goalkeeper whose name I've temporarily forgotten. I apologise for that. Has left as well. Um, but you know they left. The announcements were left. And then within two days, we'd bought their replacements from Bayern Munich. It was like, well, shit, <laughs> that's, that's the way to do business. None of this fucking yeah. scratching around all summer trying to find a, a 19-year-old left back for four million. <laughs> but you know, what the, you know what the funny part is? That Lyon isn't even the richest team in terms of money spent compared to the likes of Wolfsburg and Arsenal and Chelsea and City and majority of the clubs in Europe, you know, the women. The thing is that they've just set the standard bearer of being the club you want to play for, whether mm-hmm. it's on the bench mm-hmm. or playing 10 minutes every game. Because everyone was like, oh, Leon are just poaching everyone, but they're not even the richest team. 
they're, they just they're not the richest, happen. but they have they have applied proper professional standards in a way that uh, you know when we talk about full time or part time professionals in England, it's a very loose interpretation of what full time or part time might actually mean. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like the Conservative government interpretation of the of, of what those terms mean to like a massage employment figures, whereas Leon yeah. actually have a professional women's team that is a genuinely professional women's team. Um, which is only to be commended, of course. Um, yeah. Well, look what they did a couple of years ago when they were, you know, not struggling in the Champions League, but they were, you know, trying to get a couple of results and they went, ah, should, let's just bring in Alex Morgan, fuck it. Oh my God, remember how Aulas went on about it for six <laughs> months and then like... In it the worked! Trans- in, in the winter transfer, like literally on the first day the window opened, he was like, Leon are happy to announce that Alex Morgan has joined on a six-month loan. And we were like, oh, for the love of God. But that's like literally the first and only time he's publicly poached someone the way he did. But, you know, she said that it changed her. It changed her views on football in general coming to Leon and seeing how it works. And I love the fact that they're so supportive of the men the same way the men are of the woman and Mm -hmm. they're just a big family even when it comes to supporting former players because we've seen how vocal like Vendy Renard the Lyon captain is of Lacazette when he reached the final how half the teams you know congratulated him on Twitter even former players as well or perhaps even better the um the Charlton player the ex-Lyon player yeah, that's the Charlton. one. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was getting some love on Twitter, which uh, I only saw because of your retweets, of course, Lana, because I don't follow that many Leon, <laughs> Leon reserve players or whatever. But um, yeah, what? they have the women's squad congratulated him, like I said, because they're best friends. Umtiti did as well to Lisa. These are because they all came through at the same time. Exactly, exactly. And he's also been to many games, uh, to many Arsenal games, and watched like I said, play. And who can forget the PR campaign Griezmann and Umtiti had for Lacazette a few weeks ago yeah. uh, in the Napoli game. So I just, just, I'm just going to give Griezmann some... I'm just jumping in at this opportunity to give Griezmann a little bit of props because obviously Griezmann has basically been outed for being a massive bellend on quite a few occasions recently. But mm-hmm. uh, did you, either of you read his comments about um, a gay footballer coming out? and? Yeah. I read the interview. It was it was like I actually teared up because people. I think that he gets too much hate. The blacking up's not t- great. <laughs> yeah, no, obviously, but he he gets too much hate uh, compared to other French players, uh, mm. in my opinion, because he's a great footballer. He's he done so much for his club and for his country. He's been such a huge part of you know us winning the World Cup, coming to the Euro finals, and just being overall such a great human being, yes, he can do silly things like posting a stupid video where he says he's staying and then he leaves the next summer or the blackface. Or, But in general, the fact that he brought Lacazette and Umtiti on his honeymoon speaks volume of just how much how loving and caring he is. And then reading that interview, it was just like, it cemented the love I have for him even more because I think he gets too much crap consistently for, compared to me yeah for those like listeners Pogba. that don't know um Griezmann basically uh, was asked about you know his reaction what his reaction would be uh, if he had a, a teammate that came out and um he, he very rarely for a footballer he came out and was totally emphatic in in his support uh, and his expression of uh, equal rights uh, and and how it shouldn't be an issue and, and, and all the rest of it um, which are you know things that we're used to 
uh, or at least those of us who share the liberal values are used to believing, but you're not used to hearing people in that position sticking their head above the parapet and being so emphatic about it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it shows some cojones as well, um, because it is the kind of thing that certain archaic elements of, of football fans and whatever might, might not appreciate. But uh, he owned that issue and he, yeah, he, he was unequivocal about it, which is... Mm-hmm. It, you know, it would it would it would lose him money too. Like let's be frank about yeah, this. Like yeah, yeah. like every time Michael Jordan was asked why he didn't make more political statements when he was you know what still is the best basketball player ever, making a billion dollars every year just off shoe sales. But they asked they were asking him you know why didn't you come out more often? He said because Republicans buy shoes too. <laughs> yeah, but that, it's that was nice exact to hear quote, and he It's nice to hear Griezmann say I'd be honoured to play next to. Uh, oh, I'm not saying Griezmann's wrong. I'm just saying that's why a lot of big sports stars don't come out and make sweeping political statements or you know, cultural statements like this because they'll go, they'll, they'll write something down, and then their agent or their publicist or their promoter will go, and you can't say that. Why not? Well, you'll lose X. As like, I eh. think that Griezmann doesn't strike me as someone who would really care. Well, also, his, his the last, millions he has in the bank. Yeah, but his last contract in Atletico is pretty pretty tasty. So, he, <laughs> oh, I know, but that's I'm just saying. You know, it's nice to see that 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 you know that sentiment of I can't say this, I'm going to lose a lot of money seems to be ebbing away. Yeah. Well, I th- well, I think it's also representative of a, of a time of change. Even though politically, when we're seeing in these European elections, you know, large parts of Europe are swinging towards the right and kind of uh, expressing uh, very horrible values is becoming a more regular thing. At the same time, those of us who aren't going in that direction, I think are more likely to be willing to embrace as, as positive role models and provide support to people who are willing to willing to express those views as articulately. You know, we've all seen how... Hector Bellerin has gone from being, you know, a promising young player that wankers give shit about his hair to now being like increasingly lauded as a role model because he's speaking out on various different issues. And Griezmann, I could benefit in the same way. I mean, you know, it's in a world that is divided when the opinions are polarized, then perhaps those people who are willing to speak out can also achieve greater love, as we're expressing today, and loyalty within those groups of people who otherwise otherwise being different but share similar values so I, I, you know I, I'm not doing saying that to diminish the potency of what Griezmann said and how it should be admired because obviously I brought it up so clearly I think that but um, I, I think I think the, the picture is not quite as simple anymore uh, and as as half of Europe goes rightwards the other half of Europe is is liberalizing more so it's kind of an interesting an interesting time and it's interesting to see again with Raheem Sterling again with the race debate because he's become a, a, a lightning rod figure for that uh, I, I you know that we were having all about the uh, back Baku bullshit with you know people talk about not mixing politics and sport but you know you can't avoid them having some degree of mixture dis- despite the fact that people like Ozil might tell you there is none um, that that we're seeing how footballers, if they're willing to stick their head above the parapet, can actually become sig- significant influencers for potentially positive change, or at least uh, encouraging people to think about things. And I think that has to be celebrated. Um, and alongside that, I, I also, you know, just picking up on what Lana was saying about Leon and, and the women's team. One thing I found really exciting as an Arsenal fan this season is 
that synergy between the men's team and the women's team is starting to, to finally take hold of Arsenal in a way that it hasn't done really publicly before. We've I mean, obviously know the players have known each other before, but you're starting to see a little bit more of that. And I, I enjoyed, you know, in, in laying out the vision of the club when Ralph Senior, he was doing his flowcharts on the Arsenal.com, um, <laughs> that he was very much making a point of including uh, the women's uh, team as a key component of the club rather than as would very usually be talked about in recent years as being a sort of separate entity which is treat you know uh, not a concern for the people running uh, running the, the main club so yeah it, it just needs more it just needs further integration it just needs occasions where you get the Premier League and the Women's Super League to like get together come together with, like with some sort of fixture list that allows big games especially in the women's side to be played on weekends where there isn't a big game at the men's game, so that if Arsenal are playing away, they can organise so that Arsenal and Manchester City are playing, so that Arsenal and Manchester City can play in the Emirates. Or if there's and an international vice- break in men's football, what a perfect opportunity to schedule that. So, so you've got, yeah. so you've got a major women's f- fixture in that, and and, and I think yeah. it runs through the club as well because we, I'm sure you you both heard some of Perth Mertesacker's comments about. Uh, in, increasing the ages at which boys and girls will play together, and you know, and and as a way of really helping the development of young female footballers, but also helping the learning and the appreciation and the maturity level of, of young male players as well. And I think there's that's what they do at Leon. Yeah, exactly, and it makes perfect sense. And it, you know, it's great that we've now got people in these positions, in, in a, not just within English football, but specifically within Arsenal, because, hey, this is an Arsenal podcast, um, who, who are willing to talk, talk openly about these things and embrace these things and you know, drag us out of the fucking Stone Age. I mean, <laughs> It seems like, uh, who was it? I think it was Rory Smith who wrote an article about how Lyon ladies were the most dominant team. Mm, probably so. in the last decade <clears throat> yeah and it seems that that got gathered a lot of attention especially here in europe because in america i think women's football is more appreciated mm. it gains a bit more respect than it win. would be here yeah well, I mean, it's also yeah, partly due, is... due to the fact that their men's football team is never going to fucking win <laughs> anything yeah that's the thing <laughs> true but i think that that's made people more appreciative of women's football i i wish that it would it would be more broadcasted and more highlighted. Uh, you know, obviously it's not going to reach up to the men's standard, but it would, you know, go a long way if more clubs would start to follow the Leon model when it comes to the women's team. We've seen, you know, what the likes of Juventus and Barcelona starting, you know, gradually to do that as well, seeing as Juventus will be in the Champions League for the first time next season, uh, Barcelona reaching the final this season although they didn't deserve it. but um, So it would be nice to see more of that uh, I mean, and more I'd... of the women's team playing at the Emirates as well because, yeah. you know, sharing the stadium. I mean, I'd be, I'd, frankly, given Arsenal's options on the wing at the moment, I'd take Beth Mead from a women's squad and put her on the bench for the Europa League yep. final tomorrow. <laughs> you, <laughs> Me too. You can borrow Arda Hegberg if you want. <laughs> don't, don't, don't tempt. Don't. Although, to be fair, she's a striker, and that's the one position where we do actually have two world-class performers in the men's team. Amadine <laughs> um, Henri, she's a great midfielder. Um, yeah, it's true. She is, actually. Um, uh, I mean... what's really exciting is the fact that within England and obviously across Europe as well the the progression in the women's game in the last few years as soon as as kind of this idea of professionalism was fully embraced 
uh, at least as a as a partial professionalism. Uh, the standard of women's football in England, particularly, but also in other parts of Europe, has really, really kicked on. And um, I, I, I think I think the the, t- the summer tournament coming up is going to be a massive showcase for women. I'm football. so excited! It's going to be in France as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and obviously we saw the impact in, in England of the last Women's World Cup where England massively overachieved compared to pre-tournament predictions. Uh, and of course, when you've got the major European countries, if you've got, you know, teams like England, Italy, France, Holland, Spain, Germany, teams that, teams that everyone has a, 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 an understanding of their place in the football the hierarchy, rather than just being maybe Brazil and then USA, then then that can really drive things forward in those countries because uh, because as you've already got that level of buy-in and consciousness. So I think it's a really exciting time for women's football. And I think do England have a good women's team? Yeah, yeah, I yes. Mean, it, well, they 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 got to the final of the last women's World Cup, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, no, oh no, they lost in the, the last, lost minute, in the, last no, second last of the semi-final. Four. Yeah, they lost in the, they, it was an own goal in the last second of the semi-final. And then oh. they won and then and, and then they won uh and they won the third place playoff. And yeah, they're they're kind of certainly I think they're like top five in the world now in the women's game. England women's Yeah, they were they were bad against Denmark and still better than 2-0. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean the, the problem is they've got a couple of key players who are injured for the summer tournament, like Jordan Nobbs, Arsenal star uh, midfielder, who's until her serious knee injury was basically running the midfield in every game she was playing. But the uh, yeah, the the England women's team is as as good now as it's ever been, probably better than it's ever been. Um and has a chance of 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 it, they're they're not favourite for the tournament, but they could win the tournament. They're, they've improved mm. that much. Whereas you look sort of ten years ago, and there's no fucking chance of that happening. Um, That's exciting, though. Like I'm really yeah. hyped for this World Cup. Uh, considering I I watched a lot more of the women's game this season mm. in the Champions League, so I'm really excited to see how France does. It, it will be really weird. To see Norway without Ala uh, mm. I'm sure they're really biting their tongues at, uh, at this. I can't believe the way they screwed that up. Yeah, well, if the people running the Norwegian FA are going to act like fucking Neanderthal dickheads, then fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's made her reasons for not playing for the national team very clear. So uh... I like how they punished her sister by uh, not calling her up either. Because they're like, okay, if your sister's going to be against us, then we're punishing you as well. Yeah, shows perhaps their their administration has some catching up to do. Yeah, because the whole Norwegian country's like, they're yelling for, they're like, give her whatever she wants, fire whoever she needs that needs to be fired, and just get her back. But I think it's too late. Uh, We'll see. I hope they crash and burn just so she can get her point proven. And she's still young, so she's got plenty more opportunities to play at major she's tournaments. She's 23. I mean, uh, I mean, one thing that anyone that follows Arsenal women would know as well is it's a exciting time for the Dutch national team, uh, the, the you know, Dutch women's national team. I mean, they had a, a good tournament, obviously, recently, and uh, they've got a whole crop of players, a bit like the men's team, actually, who are coming through at a similar age. And so they've got a number of players in their early to mid-20s who are really operating at very high levels. Obviously, from an Arsenal perspective, Vinivian Miedemar is like 22 or something and basically dicked on the Women's Premier League, uh, scoring more than a goal a game in, in every tournament, in every competition that she played in. Um, 
and that's just one player in, a, in a very, what has now become a very deep and talented squad. So it's going to be really hard to pick a winner for the Women's World Cup. Obviously, the USA are always strong, but the, yeah, France have got a, a really strong team, as, as, as you've mentioned. Germany are always relatively strong because of the, the deeply entrenched professionalism within the women's game there. England have the best team they've ever had. The Dutch have got a resurgent team. Um, At least the women's team picked the best players, unlike France, who seem to have an agenda against a certain striker who plays in North London. Well, I mean, from an Arsenal perspective, if he gets a rest, rest a bit more over the summer, <laughs> and and he's hungry and fired up and wants to show people that they that they're wrong, I'm not too sad about that. <laughs> no, but I think it's becoming a huge, I mean, I wouldn't say well issue because people are every journalist when that list was announced were like, what more does he has to, have to do? I mean, we obviously we get the issue with Laporte not being called up because of, you know, his issue with Griezmann and mm. Champ is not going to ruin that. But half of that France squad are best friends with Lacazette. What more does he have to do? I mean, if he goes on to win the Europa League and doesn't get called up for the next, you know, uh, France call up, people are seriously going to be out for his head. Remind me who they picked ahead instead of him? Well, they have Giroud, uh, Ben Yedder, Coleman, yeah, it was Ben Yedder. Uh, deserved it. Yeah, he's, he's had, had a good season, really yeah. good season. Yeah. yeah. So, if people are gonna, start, you know, people are gonna uh, complain about that, then really they shouldn't, because he's actually the one that deserved it. But, the, like, I don't understand what someone like Toivan is doing in the squad. Because he's been crap this year compared to last year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Griezmann, Coleman, Lamar is called up, uh, Giroud, Mbappé, and Toivon as the attackers. I but mean, it's, but it's Deschamps, isn't could... it? It's Deschamps is loyal to his players and the players who's done things with him, and that was the way. That was how he very much was as a captain. It's kind of like placing loyalty above, above yeah. uh, the, having the best squad, and even even if it might piss some people off, he knows that that group works together. Yeah. Uh, the thing is that. He, he gets that loyalty from his time as a player for Juventus and as a coach. So yeah, yeah, yeah. semi-fuck Juventus for that. Uh, but also, people... Because when he called up Sacco, people were like, why? But he Sacco was the reason for us went to the World Cup in 2014. Yeah, exactly. That was, you yeah. know, the loyalty. Yeah. People got it. Evra, because Evra was part of the squad, you know, the old guard that came on, uh, for, you know, for the new guard... And you needed that. I guess what I'm saying is, you know, you look at the the, the French squad, and uh, as you say, Tovan is the name that stands out because he's not been an integral part that of the French squad. People are questioning because it's like, yeah, because the thing is, Umtiti was his tenth choice for the 2016 Euros. He called up Mabiba, uh, uh, several other shit players. They all got injured, uh, so you know, in the end, Umtiti went on to be. Uh, the first choice pick with Varane. Mm, mm. And then, but then Umtiti left Leon, went on to Barcelona. Then, he, you know, he couldn't ignore him. People were actually saying, you have to call him up. He's been the best centre back in Europe. You cannot ignore him forever. Toliso left, went on to Bayern Munich. Obviously, he's a first choice as well. Fekir, for some strange reason, I think the only reason Fekir has been called up is because it was so much pressure from Remy Gard and Aulas to call him up so Algeria wouldn't take him. Yeah, and that's yeah. the, yeah, that yeah. was why he was being called up. 
And also, you know, there's this team that France have a settled team at the moment, but it's built around certain players, and some of those players may get injured, or some of those. But it's players. not built around. The thing is, this is a system that was primarily built around Benzema, who hasn't seen a sniff of the national team since his sixth scandal with Valbuena. Yeah, but so it, but it, but, it but, really is. But it, the system I still mean, works in his absence, which is which is ironically uh, enough, it yeah. does. And, beca- and because is, that's been successful for Deschamps, he's going to retain that system, and so he's worried about making sure he's got. He's just he's got a bit of a one-in, one-out policy. He's like a fucking nightclub doorman when it comes to the French national team. Um, the thing is, that it, it might cost him going into the Euros because people are expecting him to bring that trophy in. They're like, you choked at home. Uh, and lost the final in the 118th minute to fucking Eden, and you chose to bring Big Mac, who missed three clear-cut chances, instead of taking on Lacazette, who was the highest goal-scoring French striker and one of the top high-scoring strikers in Europe at the time. So they're like, people are like, you cannot make excuses anymore. Giroud went through the whole World Cup without scoring, but yeah, you know, it made sense because that made... Griezmann and Mbappé be uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. having the more freedom to play. He, he was the Stefan Givash for the new generation. That's what he was. You know, that was his role. And hey, it's a French. It's a French tradition. <laughs> You've got the striker that doesn't score, but everyone around him scores. You know, apart that's been yeah. the, that's been the way since fucking Just Fontaine retired. <laughs> but the thing is, half that squad want him in. Yeah, because yeah. he's he's you know the key the core players of that squad squad all happen to be his best friend. Yeah, yeah, and also hey, you know if you win a World Cup with someone, then you can understand a degree of loyalty. But um, I mean, but how long will that loyalty take you? I we're, mean, we're, we're, we're if gonna be he wins the, same the Europa League on Wednesday and he doesn't get called up next time, people are really gonna go for him. They're, I mean, there's no excuses left. Because then well, Lacazette has done everything possible. Well, I'll be very happy if if Lacazette plays so well that it becomes impossible for him to be ignored by the manager anymore. Um, I, I think I've just realised how long we've been going on for here, uh, and I think uh, <laughs> we probably need to stop. Otherwise, like listeners are going to die in due to water shortages. Um, so uh, just just to sort of round up very quickly. Uh, I want just one phrase, final score predictions for the Europa League final. Are you, are you sticking with your 3-1, Lana? Yes. Okay, Stephen? I'll go 2-1, Arsenal. I don't, I, I, I'm comfortable win, but I don't think it'll be, you know, I, I can see us very much like the FA Cup final a couple of years ago. We'll score first, they'll get an undeserved equaliser, and then we'll go right back up the other side and score again. I'm going to go for 2-0. I think we're going to get a, a somewhat surprising and vaguely implausible clean sheet. Uh, but Chelsea will hit the woodwork a number of times and have a good penalty shirt time down. <laughs> uh, uh, Fingers I'm, crossed. And I'm going, to get, I'm going to actually have the goals in the final scored by Lacazette and another one by either Torreira or Maitland-Niles, someone that totally fucking comes out of left field uh, just because that seems... Or oh, Giroud on goal. <laughs> Sadly, he bleeds blue now, so that's not going to happen. Uh, he can bleed dead for all I care. So f- f- fuck him and his getting his name sung at the Emirates the next time he comes. That won't be happening. Um, I, I guess uh, we have to vaguely talk... Well, not talk about, but... but Scoreline, Champions League final. Go on, do it. What's your predictions? Because <laughs> it'll be before we record the next podcast, so... Honestly, 4-3 Liverpool. 
the stadium collapse on both teams. <laughs> Lana's predicting a sinkhole, which sadly, if it if it were if the two locations of the finals were swapped around, would be more likely. Um, yeah. Well, I hope it's Liverpool. I mean, we can you you cannot let Spurs become Champions League winners before Arsenal. That would be like that would stab Wenger in the heart. It would also be a bit sort of, yeah, it'd be like, it, you know, we've, alongside Brexit, it'd be one of the signs, four horsemen of the apocalypse, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. It would be a very boring Twitter summer because then on all Arsenal fans would deactivate and <laughs> I would end up following five people. I think it's going to be 2-1 Liverpool uh, and I think Harry Kane's going to play and he's going to be shit because he's not going to be fully fit. I think Llorente will score in the final. Oh, Christ. Mind you... I love it. Sorry. <laughs> Mind you, the good thing, the, the one good thing that gives the rest of us hope is that uh, Virgil van Dijk is a bit more of an aerial beast than any of the teams. He's, you know, he, t- mm. he came on against Ajax and basically stood on Daily Blind, who's like, I can't get up that high even with a stepladder. <laughs> and then he, and, and against Man City, he was just kind of, you know, I'm, I, I will be big. Uh, and Virgil van Dijk could be like, well, you'll be big, I will be bigger. <laughs> so that gives- Let's hope they win the final and he gets injured and is out for the season and then Liverpool will end up mid-table where they belong. <laughs> I do. I, I, can, I can live with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm, I'm still liking your sinkhole idea. So, uh, yeah, uh, he, he, he's some sort of very localised humanitarian crisis. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think we're all hope and probably do genuinely believe that Liverpool will win. Uh, despite the fact that obviously Spurs fans are prophesying uh, that it's their year because they've been so fucking jammy um, to this point in time. All right, well, I think that's us done because we've been going for far too long. And I know this is a bumper podcast, but we've got more bumper podcasts coming up because we'll have end of season review podcasts. We'll have proper transfer podcasts. We'll have... Uh, well, I suppose we'll have a post-Europa League podcast as well, which we'll do our best to avoid mentioning the Champions League, no matter what the outcome of that is. And that's before we then get on to what will be the 200th Daily Canon podcast, which no doubt we'll have all kinds of special bumper stuff lined up for that. And then, of course, we've got months of transfer speculation, ins and outs, uh, yeah. player reviews. Uh, well, you know, we're actually going to be buying some people, so we'll have something to talk about rather than just talking about people we might buy if the Daily Star is correct. Um, so it should be quite an interesting summer it's going to be a very big summer for the club particularly at least you have a manager well yes uh i mean i think uh it's been made very clear to us that unai emery is staying i think uh raul and vinay made that very clear in their video that he's got another year regardless uh obviously it'd be a lot more exciting summer if that year is with a trophy under his belt all right listeners 48 hours Thanks for getting this far. Uh, if you've done this, done that, then you've done very well. We appreciate your ears, as I hope you appreciate our voices and what random knowledge that we've spouted at you. And we'll be coming straight back to you next week with a post-Europa League final review. Uh, as I say, we'll avoid mentioning the Champions League regardless, unless something very, very funny happens. Uh, so I'd just like to thank, as well as you listeners, uh, Stephen and Lana. Thank you very much for coming to join me. Uh, and goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.